You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I am broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats studios, even though it's pre-recorded. Make absolutely sure you're using promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Today, I want to begin the process of looking at the Detroit Lions. I also want to thank everybody that reached out uh, regarding the what was previously known as the, uh, the Pack Daddy Secretary, because I felt it was funny and demeaning. Um, I've decided to move on, and let's not get all high and mighty about it, all right? Secretaries don't even call themselves secretaries. You're executive assistants. It's like when I used to push carts at Sam's Club, they called me cart attendants. Anyways... You can all thank Jacob for reaching out and coming up with the brilliant idea of deciding that the new name will be um, Assistant to the Pack Daddy, because everything has to revolve around the office. But I think we're good for those of you that are pondering it. Um, there are more than five, but as I've come to learn over the years, um, people, myself included, get super jacked up about stuff like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then after like a day, it's like, I don't like this. I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. So... Five will probably become like two or three very quickly. But in the meantime, it's a pretty cool thing, and I've got a ton of notes, so I'm going to try to get through as much as I can. Suddenly I have too much to talk about, and that's a good thing. But I, I received a phone call on the um, on the pack phone. I don't know, that doesn't sound good. The Pack Daddy call-in line, 608-501-0718, if you want to call or leave a text. But this, this, one, um, this one cut me kind of deep. Um, I didn't expect to receive this call. But I did, and I, I feel like I should play this for you. So let's, uh, let's get this one out of the way really quick, and I'll address it, and we can move on. In the words of Aaron Rodgers, I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, it's a good question, though. And thank you for reaching out. And if anyone speaks uh, Dutch, if you could let me know what that fine lady said. I'd love to be able to uh, enlighten her on the ways of the Packers. Clearly livid about something, whatever it is. I don't know. By the way, if this is your first time tuning into the Packernet podcast, welcome. It's a little weird around here. You learn to love it. Why don't we just skip all the formalities? We'll take our break, and we'll try to get serious. Sound good? Let's do it. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Folks, I don't know what you guys got planned for Monday night, but it's going to be a lot of fun. The only thing that could really add a little bit to it is making a bet on the Green Bay Packers. And my bookie is your place this week for all the fun on Monday night. I just checked. The Packers are still four-point favorites, and the over-under still set at 47. But if you don't want to do spreads and totals, we've got player props for things like rushing yards and interceptions. And it's still not too late to get an NFC North ticket or other season-long predictions. And that really just scratches the surface because we've teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you this great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME and they'll match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and new users get first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. So why don't we start with the injury report? Uh, that's kind of the biggest thing that we've got going into this. And man, this just keeps on growing and growing. It's, it, most of these guys are, are going to be fine. But you just hate to come to this list and see such a massive list. And the Lions, with their rest, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys on the list. The Packers literally have 20. Just counted it, 20. Um, of that list for the Lions, let's do them first. Uh, Amendola, Quandre Diggs, TJ Hawkinson, Darius Slay are all limited, meaning they're probably going to play. Matt Stafford is fine, hip issue, full participation, he's good to go. The guys that they do have to worry about, Ashawn Robinson, Deshaun Hand, Mike Daniels, Amani Aruwarie, none of them practice. Now, the the reason this is a big deal is the one thing that's a little bit scary about their team is their defensive line. That's that's three guys. That's basically their entire defensive line with the exception of Trey Flowers. That's it. Uh, you got Deshaun Hand and Ashawn Robinson. Um, well, there's Snacks Harrison I forgot about, too, because it's just stacked beyond stacked. But obviously, you got Mike Daniels, who's a really good pass rusher. Uh, Deshaun Hand, Ashawn Robinson, really good against the run. We'll see who plays, but if those three are out, that is that is massively damaging to the team. I don't know if any of them have really lived up to... It's another one of those weird things where if you just look at it for this year, it's like, this isn't that great of a, of a defensive line. But knowing what they've done over the last few years, um, although things do change, you, you kind of expect it to get better. Right, it's kind of like looking at uh, you know, Demarcus Lawrence and saying, "Well, he hasn't been good that this year so much." Yeah, but he's Demarcus Lawrence, so let's just understand what we're dealing with here. There's also the rookie Amani Aruwarie, who surprisingly has not taken a snap all year. So I don't think even if he was healthy, uh, he'd be playing. Unless it's due to the injury, I don't really know. But either way, no contribution from Amani Aruwarie is expected. Now, looking at the Green Bay Packers, and I wish they put this in an order that made sense, but they don't. Um, let's see. So we'll we'll skip over the, f- well, I said 20, so let's go through all 20. Uh, Oren Burks, Kyler Fackrell, er, Darius Shepard, Zadarius Smith, Jamal Williams, all full participation. They should be fine pending any other issues. Uh, Montrevious with a shoulder injury is limited, uh, and limited usually you're probably going to be good, unless things kind of act up, whatever. But expect Montrevious to go. Brian Balaga is limited because of his, you know, age. They've been doing this all year. He's going to play. 
Kenny Clark is limited with a calf injury. Um, Jimmy Graham is limited for the same thing because he's a veteran and they're resting him. Kevin King is is limited knee slash groin issue, which is not great. But hey, he's he's hanging in there. You can feel it's one of those things where it's like he's not going to make it the year. But if we can squeeze another week or two out of him, that's that would be fantastic. Uh, Mercedes limited with a heel. Corey Lindsley limited with a concussion. Will Redmond limited shoulder. Aaron Rodgers limited with a knee. I know everyone's completely freaking out. It is scary, especially since it's a knee. I think if there was any real fear, they would just sit him. There's no reason for him to practice on an injured knee, right? He he can he can go take a nap. Really, I mean he 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 is the whole team. I mean not not we have talent outside of Rodgers now, and that's cool. But if he goes down, we're done. If this says he did not practice, you'd be a little bit more concerned. But, you know, again, he, they're going to overreact to Rodgers. If they're letting him practice in limited fashion, he's he's going to be fine. The only question is, is this something that can get re-aggravated and be a problem throughout the year? However, let's also remember, this is almost every year with Aaron Rodgers. He's playing through some kind of injury. How many years in a row have we watched him play limping down the field? Not saying it's a good thing. You know, it's probably hinders his ability to play. Also, kind of feel bad for the guy to be playing through an injury like that. But I'm just saying, I, you know, it's not the first time he's had injuries. Darnell Savage, or, well, I was going to skip this, but, well, we'll skip that. We'll come back. Marquez Limited, Tremont Limited. Uh, Darnell Savage did not practice. Robert Tanyan did not practice. Uh, Savage, I actually heard, was in a, a boot. So it was... It, the injury looked horrible. I mean, if you watch that video, it looks like his knee literally just popped out of place. Turns out his knee's fine. He's got an ankle injury. All right. Dude has got serious flexibility in the knee. But um, then it was like, oh, no, he's going to be fine. It's like, oh, great. And then the next thing I hear is he's in a boot. It's like, well, then he's not fine, right? You know, don't, don't tell me he's fine and he's going to be back in no time. It's all good. And then he's walking around in a boot. But anyways, he he's... I would be shocked if he plays... Um, just hope he can be back in the next week or two, and this isn't like a four, five, six-week injury. Robert Tanyan has a hip injury. He did not practice. That one doesn't bother me as much. Um, I mean, obviously, he can contribute in a lot of ways, and I would love for him to be able to play, but it's not super devastating. Tony Brown did not practice at corner. Again, I like Tony a lot. Not super devastating, depending on, you know, injuries that occur with other players. Uh, and then the biggest one... Uh, Devontae Adams still did not practice with turf toe. Again, I think we were sold a bill of goods on the whole. He might play. I think it's fine. It's not that bad a turf toe. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like turf toe is turf toe. I don't think he's going to play. I think the Packers are going to do what every team does. They're going to play cat and mouse. They're going to pretend it's no big deal. They're going to pretend he's coming back because they want teams to try to plan for Devontae Adams. Even if they're only 20% sure, you got to have some kind of a plan if they're playing with Devontae and so that's going to detract from your ability to... The problem is the Detroit Lions had a bye, so they have more than enough time to have two plans going. But that's what teams do. That's what the Packers are going to do. I don't know how long it's going to be before he comes back. I hope he's back very, very soon, but I, you know, it's, it's turf toe, and that usually takes time. So there you go. There's 20 guys on the injury report. It's not fun, but overall, it looks like Devontae isn't going to play. That's kind of... Devontae and Savage are, are the two that are kind of painful. So outside of that, let's just take a, a, a quick look at the Detroit Lions overall. What, what are they doing? What's going on? First of all, the Detroit Lions, as you probably know, are 2-1-1, one one, which makes them second in the division, 
also meaning that the winner of Monday Night Football will be in first place in the division. They've actually played really well this season. Week one was pretty garbage because they tied with the Arizona Cardinals, who are not good. Since then, they played the Chargers and won, and the Chargers are not a bad football team. I know Anthony Lynn went off their head coach talking about we're kind of trash and we need to be better, so maybe they're not good. I don't know. They do have a ton of injuries, but the injuries mounted over time. The team is declining over time. I think week two, they were probably like peak Chargers, unfortunately for them. Now, the score was 13-10, to so not a huge nod to their offense. However, the Packers have won in similar fashion where things are not great. I think we may have actually won exactly 13-10, to something to that effect. I don't know, maybe it was 10-7, to whatever. 10-3? to What was that game? I don't know. But it was a tough battle, and, and it really it was their defense that won, which is similar to the Packers, not something the Lions are usually known for. The next week they went up against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia, and they won. As we learned, that's not an easy task. And then they played the Kansas City Chiefs and almost beat the Chiefs. It was 34-30. to Now, if you watched it, it was pretty sloppy on the Lions' part as well as the Chiefs' part. But still, 34-30 to against the Chiefs. To, to look at the Lions as anything less than a serious contender is foolish. I don't disagree that the Packers are and should be favorites, especially in Lambeau. But, again beat the Chargers, beat the Eagles in Philadelphia, and then go toe-to-toe and nearly beat the Chiefs, basically just um, losing kind of down to the wire. This has been a pretty tough schedule for them, similar to the Packers have had a tough schedule. It's not going to get much easier for them. they got Packers on the road. they got Vikings uh, at home. Get a little bit of a break with the Giants. The Raiders, I don't know, Bears are tough, Cowboys are tough. It's, it's, it's not a super easy, I mean, it's basically the same schedule all of us have. But we have a tough schedule. Looking at their team statistically so far, uh, their defense is fifth in turnovers, first in fumbles forced, which probably almost entirely comes from that Chiefs game, if we're being honest. Other than that, though, the defense hasn't been all that super impressive. Uh, They're 29th in first downs given up. They're 30th in passing yards allowed, 22nd in interceptions, 15th in net yards per attempt passing. 20th in rushing yards, 27th in rushing touchdowns, 25th in rushing yards per attempt, which is 4.8 yards per attempt. That's not great, especially for a team that um, is supposedly really good against the run. And if you look at it, you know, the the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Eagles, and the Chiefs, as far as their ability to run the ball, the, the Eagles obviously are very good, but the Chiefs are not primarily a run team. The Cardinals have a good running back, but you know, I don't know. They've given up over 100 yards every single week. 112 to the Cardinals, 137 to the Chargers, 127 to the Eagles, 123 to the Chiefs. This, in, so I'm impressed with the Lions, but this is problematic because this is the strength of their defense, in my opinion. Offensively, things are much more positive for the Detroit Lions. Uh, they're seventh in passing yards, fifth in passing yards per attempt, third in passing touchdowns. Uh, they are 13th in rushing yards but that's because they run the ball a lot. They're actually 21st in rushing yards per attempt and 28th in rushing touchdowns per attempt. So just from that standpoint, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, the thing you're probably going to start with is exactly what the Packers want to do, and that's to say you're not going to throw the ball. I mean, the the Packers are going to do that anyways, even going against a team that like to run the ball. We refuse to get out of the... We did play some two-linebacker last week. We're probably going right back to the, the dime defense against the Lions. Because Stafford can kind of go off at times, right? I mean, it, as much as people want to poke fun at him, we all know that the guy likes to throw for lots and lots of yards. 
Uh, flipping over to PFF now, looking at the overall grades for teams and whatnot, they actually have, so as far as the NFC North, just as an update, the Minnesota Vikings are rated as the fifth best team in football. The Lions are the 13th best. The Packers are the 15th best. They have Chicago at 19. So that is overall grades. And if you're curious as to why the Green Bay Packers are so low, it is the run blocking, which I think we can agree is pretty terrible. The run defense, which is terrible. The tackling, which is terrible. And they've also given us a pretty negative uh, special teams grade. I know Crosby and, um, and JK47 are doing well, but outside of that, there's been some struggles. Detroit Lions are just much more well-rounded outside of special teams. They don't have any bad grades outside of pass blocking, which is a big benefit for us. Everything else is average or better, their highest grade being uh, receiving. PFF has them as the fourth best receiving grade team, meaning their receivers, including tight ends and whatnot, uh, fourth highest grade. On the season so far, they've only got one guy with an overall grade on their offense that is very good, and that's Graham Glasgow, Glasgow, um, guard for the Detroit Lions. Now, the benefit here is that it's almost entire. I mean, this is similar to Lael Collins, but to a, a larger degree. Very good run blocker so far this year, but the pass blocking has been kind of terrible. Um, outside of that, though, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are, are rated really highly. And again, we got to remember that this is not, they are not looking at competition so when you go up against the Chiefs who have garbage corners and Galladay and Marvin Jones go off they don't adjust for competition when they go up against the Cardinals who have really bad corners they don't adjust for competition when they go up against the Eagles who have terrible corners they don't adjust for competition so we got to keep that in the back of our mind Lions fans seem to not understand that they're going off about how great Galladay is and I, I like Galladay that's fine but they there's just I've been reading or hearing a lot of things that uh, backers should be worried about those receivers who have carved up some of the worst cornerback groups in the NFL. According to PFF, let's just throw this out there, the best coverage unit in terms of grade that the, um, the Lions have gone up against is the Chiefs, who are graded as the 14th best coverage defense in the NFL, which is actually surprising that they're that high because I didn't think they had a single corner maybe the safeties are doing well or I don't know how that's even possible the Packers are graded as the sixth best coverage unit in fact the Lions might be in trouble because the Vikings are fifth the Packers are sixth and the Bears are seventh so <laughs> things could get a little complicated for the Detroit Lions but anyways receivers are doing well Stafford is doing fine uh, Frankie Ragnow is doing okay but again really good run blocker garbage pass blocker which is great for us because we've gone up against nothing but really good run blockers. It hurts us because they run the ball well, but we're just going to destroy your quarterback. So that's going to be fun. And then Danny Amendola is the only other one that has a quote-unquote good grade. Carry on Johnson, not doing super great so far. Defensive side of the ball, Justin Coleman, who I believe is the corner they just brought in from Seattle. Uh, the slot corner, the only guy with a quote-unquote very good grade. Only three guys with good grades. Trey Flowers, Ashawn Robinson, Romeo Aquara. Uh, Ashawn Robinson, again, not practicing right now. Uh, also, Ashawn Robinson, really not great at anything except run defense, which is kind of what I knew. Trey Flowers also has been a pretty big disappointment, graded so far as an elite run defender, which is cool, but they needed a pass rusher, and he doesn't have a super good grade. He, he does have 15 pressures, which is kind of a lot, as does uh, Kennard, and uh, Aguara has 12, which isn't nothing, but again, Zadarius has 30. He's got an extra week under his belt, but still 30. Just putting that into perspective. 
It's actually, if you look at the pressure percentage, it's about 12%, which is actually not bad. But again, to put all this into context, the uh, Detroit Lions right now have 78 pressures, 10 sacks. The Packers have 123 pressures, 16 sacks. And yes, an extra game in there, but still, that's significantly higher, especially the pressures. Uh, zooming in a little bit further, let's look at Matthew Stafford. Very, very similar to Dak Prescott so far this year as far as pressure and non-pressure. And actually, as I go back in history, this actually holds up quite a bit. It wasn't actually as true with Dak, but um, the difference between Matt Stafford under pressure and not under pressure is pretty staggering. Let me go back another year. Yeah, this is crazy. He's He is really good with no pressure. He is terrible under pressure. So 2017, that's true. 2016, let's do one more year here. Because with Dak, when I went back in time, it wasn't as true. So yeah, even 2016. So in 2016... Uh, he was graded as an average quarterback under pressure, borderline elite with no pressure. So under pressure, 51.9 com uh, completion percentage, 7 yards per attempt, 4 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. With that, without pressure, nearly 70% of his passes are completed for 3,400 yards, 7.3 yards per attempt, 20 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. 2017, he was graded as an elite quarterback with no pressure completing 72.1, 78.9 adjusted completion percentage for over 3,000 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt, 23 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, but under pressure, he was graded 42.4. So again, 60 is average, 50 is below average, 40 is kind of, it's just, it's trash. Completing 51% of his passes for 1,200 yards, 7.2 yards per attempt, 6 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Last year, his, his grade was very good, completing, again, 71%, 78% completion or uh, adjusted completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. With pressure, his grade was below average in the 50s, completing 50% of his passes, 5 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. So far this year, he's following that 2017 track. He is graded as an elite quarterback with no pressure. So far, 72.9% of his passes, adjusted completion percentage, 78.5%. He's thrown for 8.9 yards per attempt, which is a lot. He has eight touchdowns to two interceptions. When he's under pressure, however, he's only completing 40% of his passes, which is the lowest of any of the years we've looked at. Even his adjusted completion percentage is 47.5. It's under half of the, the passes thrown. Only 5.9 yards per attempt. He has one touchdown, no interceptions, which just tells me he's due for several interceptions while under pressure because that ratio is just no good. Just can't have that. So, you know, today is not strategy day, but what I can absolutely tell you um, even more so than, than the Dallas Cowboys, because Dallas, you had to worry about their, their run game a lot more than Detroit, although I think Carrion is talented. But the offensive line is nowhere near as good as the Eagles or the, the Dallas Cowboys. So the point is, this is going to be third down defense all day long, right? Dime defense, lots of corners, lots of safeties, and everybody's coming. We're bringing pressure, 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 because again, if he's under pressure the whole game, they're done. If he has time in the pocket all day, we're done. This is very similar to what I said about Dak, but to a larger degree because it's it's an even bigger difference in my opinion, and it's more consistent. With Dak, it wasn't necessarily that that way in previous years. In other words, there's there's reason to believe that it would adjust. He would get a little bit better under pressure. Maybe he would kind of even out a little bit. I don't think it did. I think it held true what I said. Matt Stafford, this, is, this has been his thing apparently his whole career. I don't know. Let me, real quick. 2009, very similar, except he was 
not good while <laughs> with no pressure either. His grade in his rookie year, and I'm picking on him a little bit because it's a rookie year, no big deal, but just, just to show the consistency, he had a grade of 56.3. Wow, he was bad in his rookie year. 10 touchdowns, 13 interceptions with no pressure, only 1,800 yards. While under pressure, three touchdowns, seven interceptions, 29.7 was his grade. So still that massive difference. So he's he's really bad under pressure, and he's really good with no pressure. So that whole thing again. And and for anybody that's thinking, that's probably true of everybody. Why do you keep bringing that up? It's not true of everybody. I think Aaron Rodgers right now is graded at higher under pressure than no pressure, which is unusual, but the stark difference is why I'm bringing it up. Some, some, you know, it's usually you're going to be better with no pressure, but sometimes it's you're really good with no pressure, you're pretty good without pressure. Matt Stafford is garbage when he's under pressure, and that's significant. Uh, we saw how high his um, his yards per attempt are this year. Eight something was very, very high. He's actually the third highest in terms of deep passing percentage, 22% of the time, which is uh, a little over one in five of his passes are shot 20 yards down the field or more. Has nothing to do with completions. It's just they like to throw the ball deep a lot, which again, unfortunately, we don't have Darnell Savage. However, one way that you stem that, pressure, right? You jam guys up so that he needs more time in the pocket. You get up inside of his chest, bring Zadarius, bring Preston, get Kenny Clark going, get everybody in the, in uh, Stafford's face. He doesn't have time to throw it deep. Um, fortunately, he's not actually that successful. He throws it deep. 22% of the time, third in the NFL in attempts, but he's 26th in completion percentage, meaning most of the time this is not caught. He's, his completion percentage is 38.7. That's actually his adjusted completion percentage, so that's minus all the drops and everything else. In terms of how well he's doing, he has uh, 345 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. He's 20th in his NFL passer rating, which is an 86.1 overall. So they like to do it, but they're not really good at it. And again, I, I'm excited because all this kind of plays into what we do best. You know, any any team that says, you know, we'll run the ball a little bit, but what we really want to do is sit in the pocket all day and launch the ball down the field, it's like, yeah, dude. Granted, the Packers have gotten beat on big plays, and that can be problematic, so you got to guard against that because if they're able to connect on a lot of big plays, we're in trouble. But again, sit in the pocket and throw the ball a lot, yeah. Any team that wants to do that, I like it. Because what we're good at, coverage and pressure. And if you're going to give us those opportunities, you know, it, it, it's similar to the Cowboys. The Cowboys did a really good job of beating the Packers' defense on just about every drive. However, give the Packers enough opportunities and they'll make plays. And that's the strength of the defense. They need to get better at cleaning stuff up, not giving up to big plays, getting better against the run. But as far as being an opportunistic defense, this is an incredible defense. And again, give give them more opportunities. Go ahead and sit in the pocket. You might be able to go from the 20 to the 40, but eventually that sack is coming, that pick is coming. It's coming eventually. You better hurry up and get down the field because the more snaps you take, the less likely it is that you're going to score, as, as ironic as that seems. Uh, going back to pressure for a second because we've got some statistics here. Um, one of the things that's maybe part of the reason that the, um, Matthew Stafford and the Lions have done so well. I mentioned that he's not good under pressure. He's actually 21st in um, dropbacks in which he's under under pressure. Aaron Rodgers right now is 7th. Aaron Rodgers on 41.4% of his dropbacks is seeing pressure. Um, Matt Stafford is only seeing it 37-ish percent of the time. And again, if you look at the competition, granted the Chargers have Bosa and Ingram. The Eagles aren't exactly inept. The Chiefs and the Cardinals are. 
So they haven't really gone up against this level of, of pass rush. But that is going to be very important for the Packers to make absolutely sure that pressure is a big part of this because if it's not, there's going to be a problem. Um, I mentioned completion percentage uh, when under pressure. He's one of the worst in the NFL, just looking at as far as his rank. Um, he's actually just one spot below Mitch Trubisky. He is 32nd in the NFL. Shockingly, Tom Brady is actually 36th. Wow, that's that's good to know. Um, Eli Manning, Cam Newton going from the bottom up, 38. Eli Manning, Cam Newton, Tom Brady, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Matthew Stafford, Mitch Trubisky. These are the guys that are at the bottom in terms of their completion percentage when under pressure. On the flip side, when they're clean, Matthew Stafford is 6th overall in his uh, NFL passer rating. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, is 22nd when he's clean. Two spots behind Mitch Trubisky. Not saying Aaron Rodgers is bad, but again, showing you that dynamic of most quarterbacks when they're perfectly clean and there's nothing going on, everything's good. Rodgers, it's not as much about the pressure. Lions also run a lot of play action. They are ninth in the NFL in play action, 28.8% of the time, so roughly 1-3 in three to 1-4. in four. Packers, for reference, 23rd in the NFL, 22.2% of the time they're running play action. The receiver situation now moving on for the Detroit Lions. Obviously, the, the well, the top two is Kenny Galladay and Marvin. So Kenny Galladay is the big guy, right? 36 targets. Number two, and a kind of a distant number two, is Marvin Jones, 24 targets. A significant drop below that is Danny Amendola with 18, and then TJ Hawkinson has 16. After that, it just it drops below double digits. on Johnson, Logan Thomas, Jesse James, blah, blah, blah. Now, in terms of receptions, interestingly enough, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are almost exactly the same, meaning probably Kenny Galladay is the deeper th- target guy. So as we learned, Matt Stafford is not doing very well deep down the field. So Kenny Galladay's reception percentage is only 52%, whereas Marvin Jones is 75%, meaning despite the fact that Kenny Galladay has a billion more targets, as far as receptions, Kenny Galladay 19, Marvin Jones 18, Amendola 11, Hawkinson 11. Then in terms of yardage, Marvin Jones is actually ahead 277 yards, Kenny Galladay 243 yards, Hawkinson 166, Amendola 141. Touchdowns, however, Kenny Galladay is the guy. Four touchdowns, TJ Hawkinson, two touchdowns, and then Carrion, Amendola, and Marvin Jones each have one receiving touchdown. Not a whole lot else to look at with the receivers here. I mean, it's it's a good group. You know, it's it's not super elite. Um, Kenny Galladay maybe is kind of in that territory as far as being really scary. Outside of that, it's just a bunch of guys that can beat you, but not like, I, I don't know how we're going to contain this. Uh, running the football, on Johnson obviously is getting the lion share. <laughs> lion share, sorry. 74 attempts, 251 yards, only 3.4 yards per attempt, not super great. C.J. Anderson was 16 attempts, 2.7 yards per attempt. Ty Johnson, 13 attempts, 4.2 yards per attempt, so that's not bad. After that, J.D. McKissick and Marvin Jones has, has run the ball once. Uh, McKissick is running at 10 yards per attempt, actually 11, so keep an eye on that guy, I guess. But they don't give him the ball, so whatever. Um, only one rushing touchdown the whole year, on Johnson. So almost the exact opposite of the Green Bay Packers. It's almost kind of, again, it's kind of a good thing because our weakness is not even that they can't do it, it's just that they don't do it. I don't think they're giving him a lot of opportunities, and once they get into the red zone, they're just going to throw. And they're very good at it, so we got to be very cautious and careful, but also we've been pretty good in the red zone, right? A lot of takeaways. It's kind of dangerous territory for the Lions, especially in Green Bay, um, their best bet is to run. They don't want to run. They don't like to run down in the red zone. So it'll be interesting to see what the plan is. Are they going to try, or what are they going to do? 
Anyways, uh, why don't we take a break? I'll, we'll look at their defense a little bit more in depth. I kind of talked about it a little bit. And then I want to touch on a couple questions and comments and notes from uh, the assistants to the Pack Daddy. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. So defensively, looking at the grades, Trey Flowers is the best run defender. Uh, after that, you got Ashawn Robinson, who again is battling some injuries. Romeo Okwara is is solid. That's kind of it, though. Jelani Tavai, the rookie uh, linebacker, has been, I guess, mediocre. Snacks Harrison so far has been graded as average, which is really shocking uh, because he is one of the best in the NFL at doing that kind of stuff. Uh, Kennard is below average. Uh, Jared Davis has always been really bad as far as a linebacker. He's no good at all. Uh, Mike Daniels has been below average so far. Um, Pass rush has been fairly good, but that's just... He's always been kind of better at pass rushing than run defense, but to see that he's below average, and he's hurt, but just saying. Um, Jalen Reeves-Maven, their other linebacker, is no good. Christian Jones, linebacker, is no good. Kevin Strong, another defensive interior guy, has been really, really terrible. So they've got some good guys and a bunch of injuries, um, but it's it's not what I thought it would be. And then as far as pass rush, um, they, they like some of these linebackers, especially Christian Jones, but really the only good pass rushers that they, as far as grades, are guys that really just don't pass rush very often. Linebacker Jalen Reeves may have been nine attempts, and then cornerback Rashawn Melvin on two attempts. Other than that, they don't really have anybody. Again, we look at statistics, and there's some guys, you know, Trey Flowers, Kennard, Okwara are in double digits as far as pressures. But as far as these guys watching tape and saying, are they good at this? They don't really think any of these guys are very good pass rushers. Um, I mentioned coverage. Well, I mentioned Justin Coleman is as the top-rated um, player that they have. He's he's been solid in coverage. They've got three other guys that have quote unquote good grades: Canard, uh, who is an edge rusher, and then safeties Tracy Walker and Tavon Wilson. Wilson is not even necessarily a starter. As far as the other guys, though, um, safety Quandre Diggs has been kind of terrible. Rashawn Melvin is not great. Darius Slay has been graded as average. I know everyone's super worried about Slay. Traditionally a, a good, I think wildly overrated, but but good corner. Um, been graded out as average. We'll look at some of the statistics here. Um, so far, Darius Slay has been targeted 17 times. He's given up nine receptions for 146 yards. He has not given up a touchdown, does have one pick and one pass breakup. So that's not too bad. But uh, he's been targeted quite a bit and he's been kind of picked on. Rashawn Melvin, it's really, really weird. He's been targeted 27 times. Only given up 12 receptions on that. I mean, 12 is a lot, but on 27 targets. But he's given up 203 yards. So these guys are getting picked on quite a bit. On the season, however, only two interceptions. They do have 14 pass breakups, which is kind of a lot. I mean, the Packers have 16 plus 7 interceptions, but still, 14's a lot. I literally just spoke for the last 10 minutes with the microphone not pointed at my mouth. And so I have to re-record all that, and I'm not super happy. But anyways, we are going to move on. And what I was saying is I'm a little bit surprised at the bravado of Lions fans. I mean, this is a team that's been kicked in the teeth for, I don't know, their entire um, organization's history. And um, I would have thought that I was coming into this 
with Lions fans kind of with their head down and saying, come on, guys, you can do this. I mean, you, you're you're doing well. No, everything I see is Lions are going to win. Lions are real good. I work with a Lions fan. He's all confident. I don't know. They're pretty good. Da, da, da. Just surprising. I mean, it, you're not wrong. You guys are doing great. It's just surprising that after so many years of, of seeing glimmers of, of hope and having your hopes dashed, that just a... a Jeez, what what are you two one in one season, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're awesome now. Like, all right, I guess we'll do it the hard way. I will come at this from the standpoint of trying to crush your dreams. So let's start with an article that I found. It is from ClutchPoints.com. The title is Four Reasons the Lions Will Beat the Green Bay Packers." All right, let's dig in. Number one, a bye week to prepare. Yes, the old bye week. So. What I did, and again, I, I've spent a lot of time, so it probably I won't go as in detail because I don't want to do this all over again, but I'll keep it very concise for you. The bye week thing is kind of a myth. I don't know if you knew that or not. It's kind of just garbage. Over the last two years, uh, last year I think there were 17 teams that won after their bye, which is very close to exactly half. Maybe it was like 18, and then two years ago it was 17. It, 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 was, it was almost exactly half the teams two years in a row. And if we look at the teams that lost after their bye, Green Bay, Minnesota, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Tampa, Arizona, Oakland, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Dallas, Miami, Washington, the Jets, and Chicago. Not absolutely 100%, but what do most of these teams have in common? They were kind of bad football teams. It's weird because it's almost as if whether you win or lose after your bye isn't so much dependent on your bye as much as are you any good at football? which would almost imply that the bye week has very little effect on anything. So if the bye week doesn't have an effect, what I would expect are two things. Number one, it's close to 50-50 on um, wins, which how many teams win and how many teams lose. Number two, winning and losing would depend on the good teams and the bad teams. That's almost exactly what we see for two years in a row. But let's take that one step further because, oh, well, you looked at two years and whatever garbage nonsense you want to say. All right, fine. Detroit Lions, 23 years of, of, uh, of I don't know why 23 years, but let's look back over 23 years. I'm, well, yeah, no, it would be 23 years. There's only one by week a year, so this it, it adds up. Would you like to take a guess what the Detroit Lions record is after 23 years of post by week um, data? I don't know, whatever. Like twenty and three or something like that. Eighteen and five. No, you're ten and thirteen after your bye. Ten and thirteen. Now there are some teams who seem to be pretty good at this. Um, the Buffalo Bills are fifteen and eight. The Chicago Bears are fifteen and eight. Um, the Dallas Cowboys are sixteen and seven. Denver seventeen and six. Green Bay is fourteen and nine. Some teams seem to be, although it could be a coincidence, and also could be the fact that, you know, again, we're looking at good teams compared to bad teams, although, again, Buffalo is not a good team historically, and they've done pretty well. Same with Chicago. However, lots of teams are very close to 50-50, sometimes a couple more wins than losses, sometimes a couple more losses than wins. Maybe it has to do with the game planning and preparation. I don't know why some teams are good at this and some teams are not, but Arizona 10-12, and Atlanta 13-10, and Baltimore 13-10, and Carolina 8-9, um, Cleveland five and six. I don't know why these numbers are so different as if Cleveland has not had a lot of bye weeks. I don't understand. Uh, Indianapolis 13 and 10, Jacksonville nine and eight, Kansas City 13 and 10. You get the idea, right? It's, it kind of doesn't matter. And again, Detroit has had more losses than wins over the last th- uh, 23, um, the last 23 games after a bye, you have lost more than you've won. So 
I'm going to go ahead and take that uh, that little excuse away from you because I think what we've learned, especially with the Detroit Lions, is that it has more to do with whether or not you're a good team or a bad team or whether or not you are better or worse than the Green Bay Packers, which is kind of the original question to begin with. So I'm going to take that one away. Number two reason that the Dallas Cowboys are going to win, they've had a week to heal. That's cool and it sounds nice, similar to the whole bye week thing, but at the end of the day, what are we talking about? We're talking about which players are healthy and playing and which players are not. I went through the injury report. You wouldn't know that the Detroit Lions had an extra bye week. The Packers have two kind of significant injuries. The, the Lions have, I believe, three. So you've had an extra week to heal is great, but as far as actual impact on the game, it's just a matter of who's playing and who's not. And you've got three guys or four guys or whatever that might not be playing. The Packers have, you know, probably two that won't be playing that are consequential. So I'm not giving you that one either. Reason number three, Kenny Galladay versus a decimated secondary. Decimated. What in the world are you talking about? This is what I mean with as far as being delusional. I'm sorry, it's not decimated. Let me read this exactly. Kenny Galladay is ready to torch a depleted secondary unit. Kenny Galladay is going to torch the Packers secondary because it's depleted. Um, Apparently it's because Darnell Savage is hurt and Kevin King is questionable. They go on to say that Adrian Amos, Tony Brown, and Will Redmond are also on the injury report. Uh, Tony Brown is not going to play probably regardless. Adrian Amos is fine. Will Redmond is a backup to a backup. Kevin King also is very likely to play. So yes, Darnell Savage is hurt, but saying that Kenny Galladay is going to torch a depleted secondary is kind of just dumb. There's one guy in the entire secondary that isn't going to play. So I'm going to go ahead and say that you're 0 for 3, if that's all right with you. I'm just going to go ahead and call that 0 for 3. Number four, Aaron Rodgers is not himself. So we'll take this, uh, I guess, a paragraph at a time. While Rodgers has had some remarkable numbers over the few last few weeks, uh, he started the season rather slow and have won more games this season because of their defense than a balanced offensive attack. So there's, there's a thread of truth there. Number one, I would like to point out how good the quality of the defenses the Packers have gone up against have been. Number two, brand new scheme kind of, I mean, it, it doesn't disprove what you're saying. But it's taking Rodgers a little bit of time. And the rest of the offense, by the way, it's not Rodgers is struggling. It's the whole offense is having a hard time getting in sync. And by the way, the last couple weeks, very much in sync. The biggest problems that the offense has had is twofold. Number one, really good defenses. Number two is the, the run game having zero effect until last week. So that's how I would address the first paragraph. He goes on to say that uh, earlier in the decade, there was a whole bunch of talk about how the Packers were unbeaten in Lambeau and the Lions, whatever. They've beat them in Lambeau the past two seasons. Um, I would like to point out last year was an absolute disaster. Two years ago, Aaron Rodgers was, um, you know, not playing. So he goes on to say the Pack- the Lions know how to play Aaron Rodgers and will hit him in the mouth with that NFC North grit as often as they can. Um, several problems. Again, you have beaten Aaron Rodgers exactly one time, not two times. Two years ago, it was Brett Hundley. Last year, you beat up on the Green Bay Packers when the whole team was just straight-up trash. Everybody literally got fired, and if you haven't noticed, this is a little bit of a better football team. So you kicked the Packers while they were down exactly once in the last decade. That's what happened. And the whole, we're going to hit him in the mouth as often as possible? With what? With who? You guys are trash at pass rushing. The Packers the last two weeks have allowed exactly, I think, what, one sack? Best of luck. He goes on to say, Rodgers has proven to have struggled under pressure this season, so Patricia Patricia probably has some unique blitzes to confuse Rodgers and make him not feel comfortable in his home stadium. 
<sighs> this is why you listen to the Packernet podcast, man. Because just saying things, I, I just I don't get it. Why why do you just say things and you don't back anything up? Aaron Rodgers, as far as his PFF grade, has almost the exact same grade under pressure as well as not under pressure. His adjusted completion percentage under pressure is 68%. Now, it's only 46%, but you got to understand, he's been sacked 10 times. He has three drops and 14 throwaways, also hit as he threw three times. But 68% completion percentage. He's thrown for 432 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions when he's under pressure. With no pressure, 881 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. He's had one interception so far this season, and it came with zero pressure. So I'm not not really sure what you're talking about. Also, the idea that you're going to confuse Rodgers with exotic blitzes. No, you try to confuse new young quarterbacks. Guys like Aaron Rodgers, not super easily confused. You can You can mess up a play, right? I mean, if you bring a blitz and the offensive line doesn't pick it up, yeah, you're going to mess some stuff up. That has nothing to do with confusing Aaron Rodgers. But that's true of every single quarterback. Again, the, the entire premise that Rodgers has a hard time with pressure and we're going to mess him up, we're going to confuse him, we're going to bring all these exotic blitzes because he's garbage under pressure. This is all fiction. You're making this up. I don't know who told you this. Um, Mr. What's your name? Kellen Voss. But they lied to you. This is not true. Then he goes on to say, and again, you want to talk about delusion. Also, if Darius Slay returns to play in this game, the Lions can boast one of the deepest secondaries in the game. You want to talk about fiction. That is nonsense. One of the deepest secondaries? Deep as in what? Players? Human beings? I know you're not talking about talent, because that's a joke. That is an absolute joke. The Lions right now, as far as their PFF grade, is 13th. This is an aggregate of your talent. The New England Patriots, much better secondary. The Packers, much better secondary. The Buffalo Bills have a better secondary. The Bears have a better secondary. I'm trying to just think this through. I'm not just looking at the grades because some of these, I think, are not entirely based on just the secondary. Uh, the Rams have a pretty good secondary. I just, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, Darius Slay, again, is, is, a, is a, he's a good corner, and Justin Coleman seemed to have been a good pickup. You got two good corners. That's cool, man. You got nothing else, though. I mean, I guess Tracy Walker's a good safety. That's true. I mean, it's not bad, but one of the deepest secondaries in the game. Give me a break. This is delusion. Look, I, I think here's the bottom line. I think the Green Bay Packers are a better football team. I think historically they've been a fo- better football team. I think they tend to close better than the Detroit Lions, whereas the Green Bay Packers have, um, as I believe Locked On Lions even said, the Lions are kind of battling but falling short. The, Lions, the Packers are sort of underperforming but still finding a way to win. Another way to look at this is the Lions are almost overperforming based on their talent, and the Packers are wildly underperforming based on their talent and ability. The, you know, just go through the list. The Packers have a better quarterback. The Lions will have better wide receivers. There's not very much question about that. The Packers have a better offensive line. As far as running the ball, I don't know who's going to be better at that. I think, you know, all things being even, if the offensive line can block, I think the Packers will have a better run game, um, but that's a serious question because they've had a lot of struggles this year, but so have the Lions. I think defensively, it's, you know, the the Packers have a better pass rush. Obviously, the Lions are better at stopping the run, um, but the injuries that they've sustained may cause problems for them to be able to do that, but pass rush is infinitely more important, and the Packers are better than that, and despite the idea that the the Lions have one of the deepest secondaries in the NFL, it's garbage if anybody thinks that the Lions have a better coverage unit than the Packers. They're, They're better at coverage. They have better corners. Add in the fact that they're playing at Lambeau Field, 
And I understand the Lions have won. You know, they won last year. Congratulations. The Packers had completely given up at that point. After the coach was already fired, the GM was already shipping everybody off. They were looking for a new coach and a new staff across the board, planning on which new players they were going to bring in. Aaron Rodgers had given up. Everybody had given up. And yes, you won in that environment. Congratulations. You also won the year prior against Brett Hundley. That's fantastic. Please don't think that that has any bearing on 2019. It does not. Now, on the flip side, there's, I'm not going to make a guarantee the Packers win. I would say that, that Vegas saying that the Packers are four-point favorites is fair. It's relatively close. There's no guarantees. We don't know exactly how good the Lions team is going to be, and we don't know how bad the Packers team is going to be because they have a propensity of, of underperforming and playing under their ability. Right? We've, we've got a, a good scheme. We've got a good quarterback, but Aaron Rodgers occasionally just decides, eh, I don't know how to throw the ball. Right? I'm going to throw the ball in the dirt on a five-yard pass. No, he hasn't done that since like week one. But I'm just saying, on occasion, it can get ugly. Sometimes the, uh, the the Packers don't know how to run the ball. Sometimes the Packers don't know how to pass block, and Aaron Rodgers is on his back five times. Sometimes receivers can't get open. Sometimes the, the co- corners can't cover. But all things being equal, let's just say the Lions and the Packers play their best game. At Lambeau, I think the Packers win. I'm not going to say convincingly because I think it's impossible for the Packers to blow out a team and not give up a bunch of points in the fourth quarter because every game has to end, you know, in a down-to-the-wire finish. There's no such thing as a Packers blowout. It's just a myth. But I, 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 I just you know, I, I don't think there's a huge amount of debate as, as far as who the, the better team is if everything kind of pans out. And again, you, you've got the, the situational football in terms of it's not just better and worse. It kind of comes down to matchup. And I think the way that these teams match up, the weakness of what the Packers are as far as their defense and the best way to attack them is exactly what the Lions choose not to do. They want to sit back and throw. The Packers' defense wants you to sit back and throw. That's big advantage Packers. So we'll see what happens. I'm not overly confident in this because it's still relatively early. We don't know what the Packers are. We don't know what the Lions are. But um, the Packers are the better team, and and Lions fans need to kind of understand that and realize they've got a long way to go before they're really honestly in that conversation of being a a they haven't proven it yet beating the eagles was a good step coming close in that chiefs game was a pretty good step but it is way too early for you to be popping off and some of these excuses about why you're better than the packers are just silly embrace things for what they are but i mean let's just cool it a little bit let's see if you can win one game between the packers and the vikings let's start with that as a goal Anyways, I'm going to wrap it up there. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.